Hello, this is Bill Lytell again for some wisdom for your walk. Years and years ago, back in the early 70s, I came across this booklet for I'm always uh, trying to find out how to witness to people, how to share with them Jesus Christ and what he's done for me. And maybe you feel the same thing I do. Sometimes I just don't feel I have the adequate or I'm inadequate. I don't have the adequate words and I for sure don't feel adequate. I found this little book called The Seven Wonders, Life's Most Basic Questions. It's put out by Partners in Ministry, P.O. Box 179, Newark, Delaware, 19715. Its uh, website's partnersinministry.org if you'd care to get these. And we have these also at church. But if you're listening to this somewhere else in the country or the world, then you can get these, I believe, and at that address, and it'll help you. For people that I just quite, you know, just don't know how to approach the subject, I give them one of these little booklets, and or I deal with these specific seven questions, that these are the seven questions of life, uh, I call them, seven questions of life. The first question is, why do I exist? Why do I exist? Lots of people want to know that. I wanted to know that as a young child. Why in the world am I here? You become self-aware about 12 years old, maybe a little earlier than that. You start thinking deeper thoughts, more profound thoughts about life, and you begin to ask, why in the world am I here? Romans chapter 8, 28, 29 says, For we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to His purpose. For whom He did foreknow, them He did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. And this is not Calvinistic. This is just saying God is sovereign. He has, He understands the beginning and the end. He's the Alpha and the Omega. And he nothing really comes up on him by surprise. Uh, he knows how people are going to respond when given the gospel. He knows how many people are going to get saved, how many are not. He doesn't determine whether they get saved or not. He, they all have opportunity to get saved. Whosoever will may comes in the Bible, and he means what he says. I'm not. A, there's not an inch of me that's a Calvinist that believes in some sort of predestination of people going, being saved and predestination of people going to hell. That's just not in the Bible. It's not so. The Bible's teaching after all these years of study teaches you have a real honest decision to make. And your decision, God's going to cause you to stay by it and keep by it, however it is. And in 828, he basically says that if you're born into the family of God, and you love God, because if you, if you love God, you're going to trust Jesus Christ as your personal Savior because he was his son who he sent on this whole earth to die, buried, and rose again the third day to pay for our sins, die for our sins. So he says, for whom he did foreknow, them he did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. That's God's goal for us. Why do you exist? To glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's, the Bible says. And so we, we're here for, because of God's pleasure, obviously, because he wanted us to be here. So you exist because God made you so. Second question in your life, is there a God? I believe that's an honest question. Psalm 19.1 addresses it and says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth forth his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, and night unto night showeth knowledge. There is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard. Basically, the premise of that is the things that God has made declares who he is. It is the, the things that God has made are not God. That would be idolatry, worshiping the things he made. 
but he's made things and they show his artwork, his design work, his intricate abilities to match colors and and the complexity of what is around us is far, far greater than what we understand. I mean, no doubt about it. The third question is, am I unique? Psalm uh, 139, 13, 16 says, For thou hast possessed my reins, thou hast covered me in my mother's womb. The Bible does not believe in life at birth. It believes in life at conception. I will praise thee, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from thee when I was made in secret, that is, in the womb, and in two cells met together, and curiously wrought in the lower parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect or not completed. And in thy book, and that's, I believe he's referring there, and everybody that I know that understands this passage looks at it, believes he's referring to DNA, maybe the clearest place in all the Bible. Thy book, all thy members, my members were written. Where am I, is my member written? One cell contains everything, the schematic of my entire body which in continuance were fashioned as they grew and divided that were fashioned and when I was yet when there was yet none of them. So when you couldn't even see an egg and a sperm cell, you can't even see they're too small to look at. When they met together, my uh, chromosomes, as we know now, 46 chromosomes meant together making me up. I wasn't finished yet. I had to develop further, but I was made when those two met together. Am I unique? Absolutely. It's been said that if you took a DNA strand and put them end to end, it would go from the sun to the earth 400 times. Now that ought to wow you. That ought to make you understand how unique you are and how absolutely precious you are and how complex you are just in the body you dwell in and not just even referring to your soul, just the body we dwell in. The fourth question it asks is, why is life so unfair? Well, 1 Peter 4.19 says, Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to them to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. People suffer differently, and I don't know why, and there's no other than we're just told to trust God and commit things to God and, and uh, just uh, believing he's good and ultimately, he's going to work it out. All I can say is eternity, the sufferings of this present time, Romans chapter 8, will not be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in us, Romans 8.18. So whatever suffering people go through in this life will be definitely made up for in the life to come. God has his plan. He uses suffering as a teacher. He uses suffering to push us to him to make us feel inadequate so that he becomes our adequacy, and all of the above. The fifth question is, why do I feel so so alone? People feel alone. Hebrews 13.5 says, let, their, let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. In Matthew chapter 28.19.20 says, I'll never leave you even to the end of the world. There's plenty of promises in the Word of God that will not be alone. Uh, I, I know in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, as well as chapter 6 of that a book, he says, Know ye not that ye are the temple of God? There's a Spirit of God dwelleth in you. Once you get born, print of your sins and trust Jesus Christ your Savior, 
the Holy Spirit of God comes in and births you. That's called the new birth, being born again, being born from above. And so you become forever, according to John, he's never, the Holy Spirit's never going to leave us. I believe it's John 14. He's never going to leave us, never going to forsake us. The Holy Spirit births you into his family. All your sins are forgiven, put upon Christ who paid the just penalty for their due. And then you never, ever alone. And then sixth question is, why don't I do what I know I should do? Well, Galatians chapter 5, verse 17 says, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary one to another, so that you cannot do the things that you would. The flesh is constantly trying to, as a born-again believer now, I'm talking to people that are born again. Uh, you are in a war. The old man, as it's called, versus the new man. The spirit versus the flesh. Uh, good versus bad. And the constant struggle with that is maybe as clearly shown in Romans chapter 7, the whole chapter, you read it sometime, as anywhere in the Bible, Romans chapter 7. But we can have victory. Romans chapter 6 says we have victory uh, over, over, the, over the flesh once you get born again. If you walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Our trouble is we don't walk in the Spirit all the time. We walk in the Spirit lots of the time, but then we go revert back to our old flesh and we do the things that we should not do. The seventh thing is, the seventh question of life, is there a life after death? I am moved greatly by this passage in John chapter 11, verse 25, 26, where Jesus said under uh, Mary and Martha, he, says, I said, he said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Your body may die, but you really your spirit never dies, and it's going to be go to be with God, and you'll get a new body, like in his glorious body, the Bible says. So in essence, you're never going to die. Death is not. Get this and get this real good. Death is not a cessation of consciousness. It's not a cessation, a stopping of who you are. It is a leaving, a departing, of your spirit and soul from the body that it in, it's, it's that body is called a tent or a dwelling in the Bible. It's just a place where my body and my spirit dwell and move about in. But eventually, I'm going to leave this body, which is physical death, and I'll be transferred by the grace of God in heaven to a new body, which He's prepared for me by the grace of God and through His Son Jesus Christ. But it says there in verse 26 of John chapter 11, Whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die, believest thou this. I was in the hospital with some heart trouble. I have some heart trouble. And when you have that kind of trouble, you don't know, maybe this is it. Maybe God's calling you home. Maybe it's time to go. And the nurses come to you and they talk to you about stuff, how you feel and everything. And I try to quote this verse to him: He that liveth and believeth in me shall never die, believest thou this. Jesus' words. And they look at me sometimes funny. Once in a while, born-again believers, a nurse, and they say, yes, that's true, preacher. That's true. Listen, I'm going to leave this old body, and you'll hear Pastor Lytale died. Well, all you heard is his physical body is gone, which is corrupt, by the way. The old man inhabited it, and it was constantly trying to drag him down away from the things of God. I'll finally shed that, be able to go to heaven where God has for me a new body, like unto his glorious body. And I'll be able to uh, rejoice forevermore with him and really fulfill our purpose 
is to serve God and glorify Him, to love on Him. He loves on us and have a wonderful future of work and accomplishment that God has yet even to reveal. I know this in Revelation chapter 21, he says, I make all things new again. I've got to stop due to the time of this. But let me tell you, get that book called The Seven Wonders, Life's Most Basic Questions, uh, through Partners in Ministry, P.O. Box 179, Newark, Delaware, 19715. Or get a hold of gospelbaptistchurch.com, and we'll see if we can get you one of those. This is some wisdom for your walk.